KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company. Schleider Painting, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, welcome back. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. One more hour, University of KMOX, the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Lots of things to talk about. A few points I want to wrap up about Hour 1. I'll tell you about that in just a little bit, how that all ties together. Many of these uh, dissimilar topics have a tie commonality, you know, a tie-in together, and they do relate to one another. Uh, For example, we had Dennis call in number 1 in Hour 1, and he had a concrete house, basically foundation, floors, uh, attic floor or attic ceiling, however you want to look at that. It was all concrete, a non-combustible home. I've seen these a few times. His last question was, should I fix the lightning rod cable? Well, the short answer is, uh, you betcha. Uh, because if you have an um, an attractant or a, high, you know, a lightning rod on the top of a building, it is at the highest point to pretty much be attractive to those uh, charges and then when those charges become out of balance and lightning becomes a possibility probability the uh, the grounding just like you and I walking across carpeting years ago and we build up static electricity in a dry house and we reach over for the electric light switch and that light switch is grounded zap we get zapped that is the same thing as an electric lightning charge and the wire the lightning rod on that home is the conductor for that charge and as long as you get it to ground basically get that electrical charge out of the clouds then down into the soil and and dissipated amongst that grounded soil there's really no problem, nothing um, amiss, very little risk. But if you attract that with a lightning rod and you've got the cable coming down and it doesn't connect to the other side, you know, the raccoon uh, cut the thing, chewed through it, and they do. I mean, these are pretty good-sized cables. Some of them get to be the diameter of your little finger. Some of them are the size of a pencil. Either way, they're made to carry a ton of voltage, um, and it really Get rid of that charge and that risk. So, yes, fix that. Uh, anyway, a phone numbers for your calls here in hour two, 314 436-7900, 436-7900, 800-925-1120 for those of you on a toll-free need, 800-925-1120. So Dennis lives in this house, and uh, the lightning rod. Okay, so somebody really thought through what are the risks and how do I um, soften those risks with a lightning rod, a house that's non-combust, won't burn, if you will. Um, and then we had a question from Adam about painting his own house in Webster, uh, and that's something that can happen. What happens in the reason do-it-yourself projects, and, and frankly, small contractors, they have a lot in common. They're not very good at estimating, so they tend to underestimate or uh, short the labor amount of time uh, either to get the job on a bidding situation or they just don't know whether it's a homeowner or an inexperienced uh, young contractor if you will and that's where the reputation comes on oh it went on forever they you know so it really it's really uh, thinking through preparing 
and you know being ready for that project so my my uh, caution to Adam was really fully estimate the amount of time because to paint a home if it really needs it and hasn't been painted in a while, there's a lot of IOUs because there's putting paint on top of old paint. It'll last a year or two because the old paint continues to chip, shrink, and break off. Uh, so putting, you know, excellent paint over the top of a bad substrate means it just fails. You're just throwing good money after bad, really. So, again, you have to do that surface preparation. Uh, and then John had a, uh, an interesting question where uh, the the main sewer out of the house was on one end and then his kitchen was on the other and the pipe gets uh, plugged up. Um, well, if there's not a copious amount of water, uh, for those of you that have emergency medical training or medical training, uh, copious means you just, you know, a, a bolus amount of water, which means you just flush the dickens out of that thing. Uh, and in plumbing, it's the same thing. I mean, the laws of physics matter. If you're trying to move a solid object out of a place you don't want it, whether it's a plugged-up drain pipe or a piece of something in your eye, either way, you want to flush it out with a lot of water. Uh, and Mother Nature has heavy rainstorms to flush out the, you know, the surfaces of the earth as well. Uh, so basically, getting a shower built on that end behind the kitchen, having a washer-dryer on that end where the washing machine puts a lot of water behind into that pipe, scouring or carrying those solids out. Uh, we've had some problems with uh, toilets over the years here where, you know, we get to the water efficient. We start realizing, you know, we're, we're in the middle of the country. We've got rivers and water everywhere well you get outside of the midwest a little bit and uh, water is a very valuable resource i mean it is in st louis but conservation becomes higher and higher and higher so we now are uh, conserving water we have uh, from a 3.5 gallon standard flush toilet we went to a 1.6 gallon flush uh, and then we went to a 0.9 gallon flush well there's just not enough water behind the engineered piping systems built for a three and a half gallon bolus amount of water to come flushing down that pipe and clean it out I know all you wanted to know about how to design this the point is anticipating these things looking ahead uh, you either design in with ignorance or omission a problem or with experience and effort, planning, you know, studying for a test, you study for the test, do well in the test. If you don't study for the test, oh boy, howdy, that's a tough experience there. So likewise, and I get into this because my day job at Mosby Building Arts is a design-build company and the history of our company, we developed and went into the design so we could get our nuts and bolts voice into the front end design portion of that project to try and minimize the risk of, you know, people think, you know, you've got a, a sink or a, a kitchen down on one end. Do you mind if we put a washer dryer in there? Well, I don't want it down. Well, again, these are the issues. Okay, we'll have to put in then a clean-out port so you can get a washer. And you explain to the homeowner why that's important, as John learned. Anyway, so much about that. The point is, is by looking ahead and really doing your mental homework as an estimator, as a designer, as a full team of everybody responsible for it and, and accountable to the outcome, that's why it matters. And that's how Mosby Building Arts evolved over the years. And, and it's a 
fun way to build because you get to control all the pieces that you learn over the years, at least that I have. Uh, phone lines here on KMOX, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120, toll free. Uh, we've got lots of things talking about. I want to chat with you a little bit later about uh, zero clearance, zero entry, or curbless showers. You might know them as accessible showers. Um, a misnomer. Uh, ADA, American Disabilities Act, Act. we slang, use that and say, well, I want an ADA shower. Well, anyway, I'll explain to you why that's a little bit different. Uh, It's really an accessible shower or in the common sense world, don't have something to trip over designed into your bathroom. That's the simple part of it. Uh, Homeowners uh, sometimes learn by mistakes, usually somebody's mistake before them or an older home where not all of that knowledge is put together. Anyway, that's what and why and parson part, part and parcel in my life as a uh, contractor, builder, designer, or design builder, if you will. 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. If you want more information on my company, Mosby Building Arts, M-O-S-B-Y, Mosby Building Arts, you can do the website. Call Mosby.com, like telephone, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y, or 314-909-1800. Kind of came up with that, 909-1800, rolls off your your mouth a little bit. All right, we're going to take a short pause, come back for more. We've got some great questions here, uh, and a good one to get started when we return. KMOX Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, I am at your service. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, back together. We are in hour two lunchtime, bean time, strap on the feedback, put a few shrimp on the Barbie time of KMOX. Uh, let's go to my friend who's been very patiently waiting and talk to Patricia. Patricia, good afternoon. How may I help you? Thank you for waiting. Oh, no problem, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I know you work in the Clayton area a lot. I've seen your trucks there. Uh, Our daughter lives there in uh, one of the very old homes. She has a built-in double oven, and one of the ovens uh, went out. And she's afraid to get into replacing it, afraid it's going to open up a can of worms because uh, part of the house still has the fuse-type electric in it. And so she's afraid the cost is prohibitive. So uh, what do you think she's looking at at trying to replace both double ovens? Well, I think it. she's exactly right. I know for a fact that the electrical requirements of the building code, uh, as, as it relates to that um, lightning rod question that I had in hour one, um, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, uh, to put in a 220-volt oven, you just need two positives and a common. So it was a three-wire heavy cable electrical wire system. Now what we've learned is it's possible that there may be a, a uh, um, an electrical charge through some uh, errant wiring where the actual housing, the box, the frame of the oven can have an electrical charge. So now they started running a fourth wire, a true ground that connects to the metal box. And now that electrical wiring requirement and standard for the last three decades is a four wire. 220. So I'm almost sure that your daughter is correct that it's a little more difficult 
to do it safely and according to the building code uh, to pull that double oven out and replace it. Likewise, there are some 24-inch ovens, 27-inch, some pretty small, weird size ovens that are, there are very few choices on the market. So anyway, my the long and the short of it is, is I think your daughter is actually correct that she yeah, does have caused, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she has a good feel for it. How uh, how would you know? I mean, I don't know uh, where the fuse uh, wiring is, whether that's where the uh, oven is hooked to, and how would you find that out without removing the ovens? Oh, that's pretty simple, really. Uh, an electrician or, you know, from somebody from my company, uh, uh, even, um, you know, a handyman sort of guy, somebody that's pretty knowledgeable, we generally don't need to take anything apart to see how it's wired because one of the things with that, uh, uh, on that, Patricia, is that you don't ever uh, break a wire like that. So the wire goes from the fuse box all the way to the oven. There should and could be no reason to have anything else on that circuit so generally there's only two ends one's at the panel the other's at the oven so um, okay and just the age of it you walk in and you see a 30 year old oven you know you're likely right. changing that wire and then in those old clayton houses that you know are in that inner ring it's a solid masonry home by golly that's a dandy to get that wire to it so it is what it is yeah yeah now and i'm not saying that- now, you can go to a ton of places in town, and they will sell you an oven and put it in on that three-wire. That doesn't make okay. it safe, and that doesn't make it right. Yeah, I don't want unsafe, nor does she. Right. Yeah, it's um, only 220 volts. It'll only kill you instantly. Don't worry. It's not a big deal. Right. Well, yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, I would take it as a big deal. Um, uh, so on the high-end cost, what do you think that uh, would do cost to do that? Well, your ovens actually use less electric, so your appliance could be, you know, a double oven you can buy for 2500 to $5,000, depending on bells and whistles. Uh, so that's for the unit itself. And on the wiring, uh, sometimes it, it can be as inexpensive as $1,500, but you can also get the 1000 because the wire and the labor to put the wire in is cheap. I mean really cheap. But ripping the house apart to get the wire from point A to point B, that's where the pain is. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now, some, plaster walls and everything. It's just everything is a challenge. Yeah. Well, sometimes we wind up with the panel in the uh, garage downstairs and the kitchen right above, and then it's a lick and a promise and a real easy rewire. So, you know, yeah. again, it's not a big You just get a knowledgeable somebody to come out, take a look at it, uh, and, and really our company be able to tell her. Uh, or a good electrician would know if she has a friend that's an electrician or somebody takes mm-hmm. care of her house. Yeah. It's, all, it's, it's, worth, it's worth the experience. Okay, and if I could ask one more question, um, mm-hmm. in this, uh, in their shower, you know, I'm assuming there's, is there plaster behind that, and uh, they have the old no- uh, faucets, knobs for the shower and everything, and they're difficult to turn on because they're old. Uh, is that a, a big job to just replace, put new faucets, and shut off valve in that? Not usually, and and some of those valves can actually be rebuilt 
because, you know, and, and a, a good plumber gets into this and they take a look at it. And the way to start is you can take a picture of that faucet from the outside, not take anything apart, send it to a plumber and say, what do you think we're into? And sometimes okay. they say, you know what, I've got to rip the wall apart. But, you know, if you if you're willing to join, you know, share the risk, I may be able to rebuild these valves and you want to buy in, you know, it's almost as much money as replacing the valve but you avoid tearing open the walls. I see. Okay. Okay. Well, that's very helpful. I'm and so there are man- and, and Patricia, there are manufacturers that now, because of that problem, have manufactured where you rip open the wall and then there's a like a, a tower, they call it, and it's a finished cover that goes on the wall to cover up where that ripped out shower head uh, pipe oh, yeah. control yeah, I mean, we've been doing this a long time, and, and the right. manufacturers have figured out there may be an easier way. Okay. Well, that's very helpful. Do you charge for someone to come out and look at two, the, both these issues? No, ma'am, not at all. Not at all. We look at it as an investment in the community, and hopefully you love us and call us back when you're ready to do the bathroom. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, God. I really appreciate it. Okay, yeah. Patricia, take care. You too. Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Bye now. Yeah, and, and the holidays are upon us. My gosh, you know, I'm so busy doing the radio thing. I forget, you know, I'm dressed in red, for heaven's sakes. You'd think I, I kind of knew Santa was around the corner. Uh, phone lines, 314-436-7900, Great questions from Patricia. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, also, in hour one, we had a phone call, Cynthia, about a slab on grade. She, had a, she was going to buy or considering she was one of our Mosby clients and uh, was moving to Indiana. Uh, Sounds like starting the next chapter in the life, you know, which is a little bit exciting there. Uh, Should I be afraid of a slab-on-grade home? And I gave her three suggestions. You know, watch for the insulation between the concrete and the floor. And then also make sure this house, slab or other, because uh, building the houses high enough out of the ground with the accessibility, sometimes we want zero entry to these homes, and it's not uncommon for builders to build a house too low. Looks good, sells good, lives bad when it rains heavy. So make sure that home is up high enough to keep it out of the water when the big gully washers come. And then also when you have a concrete floor in a house slab on grade, the heated tile options in bathrooms around those bathing areas where bare feet touch the floor, that's an important thing. becomes more, a little higher on the requirement as opposed to the luxury. Anyway, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I am Scott, and at your service here on KMOX. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Okay, Scott Mosby, back together, Home Improvement uh, some great questions and calls on the board ready for you. Uh, one thing I want to get into is uh, so many bathroom remodeling things uh, are a quick fix. You know, I mean, bathrooms are important, so you don't want to have them out of service. Uh, you know, one of the questions we had uh, just with Patricia in the first caller of this hour, uh, is it difficult? Can you avoid remodeling a bathroom when something breaks? In those old homes, uh, there, you know, the infrastructure, the pipes, the pipes under the floor, some of those things are actually 
buried in the floor concrete. Uh, so, you know, you wind up buying a bathroom, you know, one day makeover, and they're pretty much covering up what's there. Uh, the issue is the infrastructure, the pipes, what's behind the wall, what the moisture has done over the years to that. Uh, some of the movement in the structural frame of the house actually shifts and it causes different issues. And if you're really assessing a, uh, what we at Mosby call, you know, uh, a layover, makeover, you know, one day shower, whatever it is, if you're just covering that up and you consider that the same as a bathroom, it's not you're basically buying skins uh, so uh, just be aware that a uh, what we call cover-up bathroom remodeling I'll put this over it'll be ready you know by dinner time uh, you're not really changing the part that needs the attention you know maybe the pipes the faucet the flow the structure the base uh, what's underneath it or in the case of a shower or a tub it could be that lead pipe actually laid into what we call the mud set floor where you're actually you know the pipe goes in the floor and your floor happens to be four inches thick of cement uh, so anyway beware just don't uh, it's not it's apples and oranges be aware of that now let's go to the phone lines here and talk to my friend Virgil hey Virgil good afternoon welcome to lunch on Cam Wex. How, how can I help, sir? Okay, I have two questions. One is I have a 40-gallon gas water heater, and it's continually overflowing through the pressure relief valve and going mm -hmm. down, and I'd say maybe a quarter week. I have a pan underneath it, but what's the problem? Uh, probably not much. Uh, how old is your water heater? Uh, installed November of 2013, six years. Yeah, six years, uh, you may have a bum pressure release valve. Um, and keep in mind here, uh, your water heater is totally separate from that thing. If it, if it heats up the water, uh, and it's pressure, you know, it's it, as you increase the temperature of the water, the water tries to expand. Well, that safety pressure relief valve is to eliminate explosions of boilers. So it's made to let go of extra pressure. Uh, so okay. there may be I nothing wrong with it. I replaced it once. You did? I did replace it once. Okay, I would then, go, have you heard of an expansion tank? It's on there. You have an expansion? Okay, you're ready for a plumber. Something else is going on here. Um, if you change that pressure valve and it continues to pop, um, pop off and, and drain, uh, frankly, um, it's not broken. It's functioning the way it's supposed to. So um, you can over, I mean, you can fix this or you can not. But frankly, a quart in a week uh, suggests it may need a house call to see if there's anything else wrong. But those pressure relief valves only pop when they're um, overpressured. And if you've got an expansion mm -hmm. tank, the tank should be handling that. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, I, yes, I've been checking on it, reading up, and but... Uh, I may go and replace the pressure relief valve again just to see. Maybe I, got a know, bad I'm with one you. And, yeah. So. Well, Virgil, here's the other ticket. You've got a bunch of um, the, the pressure relief valve. If you've got mineral deposits in there, when you put that new uh, valve back in, if you get a little grit or two of sand or mineral or lime, you know, you, you can also uh, have that valve kind of um, get that same sand grit in there. So... Uh, I, I personally, I, I'm right there with you. It may be just a bum valve, or you got something in it when you were popping it and testing it. 
Okay. Now, second question. Uh, this goes back uh, a couple of years, but I was going to replace a laminate floor, small room, say a 10 by 12, and I was going to do it myself, had it all ready to go, and came ill, couldn't do it. My wife called one of the big box stores to come in, and they came in, and first thing on their estimate, my floor needs to be level. And, well, I had a previous laminate floor in for many, many years. Nothing happened. And then is that necessary to put a floor leveling on? Yep. Yep. The, when you have a laminate floor, an engineered one, when man makes a perfect flat something, um, the floor and the substrate has to be a perfect flat substrate. So the reality is hardwood floor is far more forgiving. Vinyl is far more forgiving. When you get a tongue and groove, thin composite, dead flat piece of engineered um, composite, uh, that the floor tolerance is much tired, tighter on the requirement to protect the warranty of the laminate floor. Yes, sir, mm-hmm. that is correct. Yeah, and it well, costs. It can cost more to. My son installed it, and that's three years ago, and it's perfect yet. So, well, it's it, it's only in the warranty phase. So, I mean, uh, okay. if if you're and frankly testing the floor. Um, there's one way to, there's a business model where we flatten and level every floor, whether it needs it or not. That protects us, keeps us out of court. Well, it burns your money for their protection. So mm-hmm. again, there's a, an experience not model of does it really need it or do I just uh, trowel apply a, a leveling compound for, you know, an extra $75 where I need it, you know, as a change order in the midst of that mm-hmm. process. So it's kind of a business model. The less you have an experience or the more you subcontract, the more that contractor lose control, even though you dealt with the floor, you basically hired a big box that hired a contractor that, you know, you right. wound up with whatever you got. Okay. Same, you know, yeah. So next time. <laughs> yeah, and it's around the warranty. Well, you're holding the warranty. So if you have a problem, you complain to yourself. Well, that's okay. You okay. know, I'm willing to take the risk. So you got to make that uh, risk reward choice there. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That one's Thank about the business. Much. Okay, Virgil. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Bye now. Again, uh, how, how much, you know, it's like the business model that companies choose or need to have really define customer service and how uh, interactive or part of the process a customer is or is not. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Chip. Hey, Chip, Scott Mosby, good afternoon. Welcome to Saturday on X. Good afternoon, Scott. I just wanted to know if you could point me in the right direction. I am needing a – does it make a difference whether it's a single bowl or double bowl kitchen sink? Uh, the carpenter told me an ideal size would be 18 by 30. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of being online and scanning through different sinks, you know, that I'm not coming across that. He did mention that I may be able to go to a uh, – wholesaler or somebody that sells uh, replacement parts for mobile homes that that might be a size that I could find there but I didn't know if in your past if you've had experience looking for a you know an odd size sink like that chip are you trying to put it into the hole of the old uh, uh, sink actually placing the countertop he constructed an island in a loft for me and um, just from scratch and when the when the island was completed, I decided, hey, it would be a nice place for a sink right there. And I kind of got one of those looks, and he started 
doing some measuring. He said, well, I can make something work. He said, but really we're going to need about 18 by 30 would be about what I need to work with. On the maximum size. Yeah, there are, the sinks come in standard widths, um, uh, 24 wide, 27 wide, 30 wide. 30 is a pretty big sink, um, and on a single bowl, the issue is you get a standard stainless steel sink for $150. If you get a single, you know, two bowl, you get a single bowl and you start specifying exactly what you want in that one big bowl, is it going to be 7 inches deep, 8 inches, 9 or 10? Now you're going to four and $500 sinks, so you can get exactly what you're looking for, but you're into the spec grade or specification grade of sinks, and you're going to a wholesale supply where Kohler's making this American standard, and it's a whole different uh, skill set, basically, for even ordering that sink and, uh, you know, frankly, telling you the story of what your options are. I think you're, <laughs> I, I think you're needing a pretty good design voice here because a carpenter is not really maybe the best to advise okay uh, i know he did he mentioned something about that the sinks and the mobile homes uh he said if you actually look close like the i've never paid attention but the faucets weren't uh, attached to the to the sink unit itself how there was a distance in between where the the bowl would be at and where they'd come up through the counter and yeah Chip, you're in a, you're in a boatload of trouble, I can tell you right now. First off, that sink has to have a vent, which means some special piping. Uh, loop vents uh, have to be put. I mean, you're in the need of a, of a plumber in this thing real too late now, frankly. Yeah. Well, the plumbing's uh, all there. The plumbing's uh, it's okay. still in the rough stages. So, yeah, all the, the water's run. The plumbing's there. It's just okay. a matter I need something so we can make that cut and then set it down into the to the top and uh, go from there yeah don't make so your cut till you have your bowl i would suggest <laughs> something like crescent plumbing supply um go to the kohler store in clayton somebody that does fixtures and can tell you the story around fixtures okay. take photos of what you have your your island and all of that uh so they can assess how to hook this thing up because once you buy the bowl you've got a drain finish you've got the faucet and you know there's eight other pieces that go in there that DIY guys usually forget. Okay, Crescent Supply, you said, might be a good avenue as well. Yeah, they're really a wholesale supply. They roll their eyes because they don't, when you walk in with your level of knowledge, that basically they're turning from supplier into school teacher, and so that's why uh, mm. retail sells so much of this, and it's hard to okay. get to the guys like Crescent. Uh, Milford Supply is another good supply house. Uh, just get above your... Uh, get to somebody who knows just a ton more than you, and, and you'll be in good hands. <laughs> All right. I appreciate the advice, Scott. Take care. Yeah, Chip. Good luck, my friend. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, let's see one more. How about Wayne? See if we can sneak Wayne in here. Hey, Wayne, Scott Mosby, how can I help? Hello, Wayne. You there? Did I wake you that? up too quick? Do what? You're on. Did I get to you too quickly here? <laughs> no, you done good. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to add to the... Uh, about the hot water heater pop-off valve. Yeah. He need to check the pressure regulator coming into the house. Yes, sir. If you get too much pressure, it'll pop it off at your hot water heater. And you can wow. check that by buying the um, gauge, gauge that goes right on, screws right onto a faucet. Oh, man. Wayne, thank you. Good call, man. 
good call. Actually, there's some pressure regulators that don't um, <laughs> that aren't real friendly to hot water systems. So you have to buy a high. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm aware of pressure regulator valves causing some of this too. Yeah, I had uh, replaced a hot water heater. I had one that was pretty old, and I thought it was just bad. But then my new one done the same thing. Well, yeah. that's when I got in to check, and it, and it was. The pressure, when you put the gauge on, screw it onto a faucet and check that pressure on the overall system, yeah. you'd, you'd take and turn it off and you could see the gauge go up. The yeah, and the water good. company changes pressures according to, you know, when we all get up at the bathroom to go uh, to the toilet while we're watching TV, uh, right. yeah, they know that the pressure has to turn up because everybody just flushed the toilet together. Hey, Wayne, thank you very much, sir. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. All right. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit more about Wayne's comment because dead on, I was hoping he'd have a little bit of help for us. It seemed like a good uh, question. All right, take a little break here on University of Camwex. Scott Mosby at your service. I hope you're having as much fun as I am. I, You know, I get locked in a little room, and then they pay me to talk. I mean, it's kind of like a license to steal. Yeah, I love it. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby at your service. I'll be right back. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Hey, holiday greetings to you all from Schleider Painting and Helitech, our sponsors. So they just a uh, nice nod to you and your various uh, ways of celebrating the season. Uh, let's go to the phone lines and talk with my friend Joan. Joan, good afternoon. How can I help? Oh, thank you, Scott. Um, I have an oven problem also. I have a built-in oven and microwave. About a year ago, the microwave went out. Uh, took almost three months to get it repaired, which is working fine now. However, several months afterwards, I went to use the um, broiler in my oven, and the broiler does not work. Called the company back who originally fixed it, and they're no longer in business. And I don't know even where to go or who to call to get this resolved how old is this oven oh oh gosh um maybe three four years old oh really yeah um well the uh, the manufacturer typically would be the place to go on getting an approved yeah i don't think you're going to get any warranty help on any of that but as far as approved or trained uh qualified repair people every manufacturer has their inbounds trained crew so they wouldn't actually work for them but you know it'll be one of the better appliance repair companies okay this is not something that your company would handle then no, ma'am. This is a specialty thing, kind of like, um, you know, carburetor um, rebuilding or, you know, engine tune-up things. It's a specialty thing. It's not really part of it. Now, if if you said 13 to 15 years, my advice would be replace the oven, and now you're into our realm of things. But on a, a product that should perform and is not, you're still in that repair issue. And okay. that's okay. a really good appliance repair person. That's what you're looking for. Okay, I appreciate your advice, Scott. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry for the dance. I know what it's like to get into an electronics, and you're going right, and they're going left, and the two of you just can't quite cook anything together. Exactly. (laughs) All right, sir. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Joan. You too. Bye now. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Next up, let's talk with Jay. Hey, Jay, Scott Mosby here. How can I help, my friend? Yeah, hi. Two things. You uh, earlier talked about um, uh, a patchwork deal on a uh, bathroom shower how about the conversion process going from a tub 
to a stand-up shower. Is that the category of stuff you're talking about? So that's question number one. Number two is I was uh, concerned, and this is why I really called your your caller about the Clayton House. You mentioned that you can get electrocuted real quick if it's not done right. That was an oven. How how would that occur, that electrocution? Uh, typically, the box of the oven is not grounded. Uh, I'm going to exaggerate to make my point. Um, for example, you're holding a mixer. The mixer has a short in it. You're now uh, holding an electric charge, and then the buzzer goes off on the timer, and you reach over to grab the oven, and now one of those provides a ground and the other provides a short. You become the conductor, and the person winds up uh, you know, <clears throat> not healthy. Wow. So. The, the concept is today, I mean, dryers are now there. Uh, the chassis is grounded. Garbage disposal, the chassis is grounded. Um, uh, even in automobiles and the electronics, a whole lot more in electronics is going into grounding. So uh, what we've learned in the last 30 years is we can avoid, a, I mean, errors and mistakes happen. But if you have it properly grounded, you can get past a lot of the penalties that go along with bad stuff. How's that? Mm, wow. And tub to shower, beware. Uh, for example, if you have a tub, a tub may have an inch and a half maximum drain size. You go to a shower. If they don't change the pipe under the shower, a shower requires a two-inch drain pipe. You can actually get so much water through these new shower heads that you it, it doesn't drain out fast enough and it floods out of the shower base. So, you know, there, mm. you, you need to know what you're doing when you're making changes like that. Sounds like you need to have a restrictive shower head, which would be good for the environment anyway. But I, yeah, I hear you right, overall in your right. comment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you just have to pay attention to the out and the end and have enough uh, sense to balance them out. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Jay. Hey, folks, thanks for joining. Scott Mosby, KMWX. Stay tuned. More coming up this afternoon. And uh, <laughs> enjoy the weather. It's great outside.